So I think people have to have a solid foundation in personal finance before they start investing in real estate. I think that's a key part of it. And then once you have that, you build on that with networking and mastermind groups. And then you build on that with just being persistent. I mean, if, if you just don't quit, you, you will be successful eventually. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter how smart or dumb you are. If you have this goal and you're just persistent about it, you will succeed. I mean, especially if you have this foundation of good personal finance. And then you have a network of people where you can learn from their mistakes, you can connect with them, get advice, and then you're persistent. Like, you're guaranteed Welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast, where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories, successes, goals, and dreams of real estate agents and real estate investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom. All right, guys, today I get to talk to Doug Spence. This guy is was in the military, or is in the military, 14 years in aviation, which is special to me because my cousin's in aviation in the military. My grandpa was in aviation in the military, so it's a special, special topic. But this guy is going above and beyond. He's going into real estate investing in funds all across the country, particularly the Sun Belt, doing RV parks, et cetera. So we're going to get to dive into the real estate investing component, but he also gives back to veterans that and gives 52 hours a year of his time for free to veterans to help them on the real estate journey. So if you are a veteran or if you just want to learn more about RV parks or some other things in real estate investing, this is going to be the episode for you. So stay through it. Doug, thank you so much for giving us your time. And as always, if you'll take us into what is the craziest thing that you've seen so far as you've invested in these RV parks and places across the country? Wow, great, great intro. Uh, I, I appreciate that, Matt. Yeah. Um, I, I think the craziest thing I've seen so far is, uh, you know, we, we started this fund last May and then all, the interest rates just exploded, you know, uh, at the end of the summer. And like what we, we expected to buy like a 10 to 20 RV parks in like a one year period. And then it just with interest rates exploding and that just really changed the whole landscape of real estate, you know, across all asset classes, you know, RV parks are no exception. And it just really crushed the deal flow because sellers had these unrealistic expectations for what their parts were worth. And then it, so the sellers expectations and what buyers were, you know, could pay based off of cap rates and everything. And so that was, that, you know, really threw a curveball. So that was, that was pretty crazy to be honest. So obviously when that happens, right now you have these investors maybe that aren't as happy about what's going on. Like, did you have a lot of upset people on your hands or like a lot of conversations that had to be delivered? No, I don't think we had upset people. It was more just people that were, that I think, you know, if, if, if it hadn't happened, if it was, you know, the rate hikes hadn't happened, would have been much more motivated to invest. And now people were just kind of like, kind of in a wait and see, you know, with the, with the uncertainty is generally, you know, that's normal to happen whenever there's economic uncertainty. People are like, Ooh, let me, let me just hang on to capital and see what's going to happen. So, but you know, the, the, the parts that we bought, you know, we, we have stuck to our criteria and only bought stuff that makes sense, which is why we bought so much fewer than we, you know, we thought we would. And also focusing on seller financing, we've got a lot more park um, seller financing, which is you know fantastic. So it's really just sticking to our criteria, not not buying something just to buy something. I think you see a lot of folks that are like, oh, my goal is to buy X amount of properties or whatever this year, so I'm going to buy it, whether it's a good deal or not, which is like definitely not the way to go. You know, be be patient. I think that's a, that's a key key component for like this part of the cycle, you know? Yeah. Just making sure you're making solid decisions. So in a fund, like, so I'm, I'm very, very, you know, not experienced when it comes to funds. So I might ask some very, very basic questions, but basically like, let's say I have some money to invest and I want to put it into a fund. Does like, 
do I collect money when that, that, that money's not in a deal? Like, so let's say you have a hard time finding deals. Is it people, you still have to pay out all the same returns or are people only getting returns when you're in a deal? No. So it's, you, you know, people still accrue that return based off when, you know, when the money is, is wired. So um, it, it still benefits the investor. It's just, we're not able to acquire parts at the same rate. You know, we still have bought, we've closed on four and we have another one under contract. So the fund is still in a good spot. It's just, we haven't acquired as much as we wanted to by this time. So, yeah. but the parts themselves are still solid. So. So, okay. So basically it might be something where if you're finding less deals, then you just have to, you know, not take on as much money because you can't source exactly. that money. Right. And that's kind of some, another thing I saw is like deal flow wasn't as good, but also there wasn't as much capital flowing. So it kind of like balanced out. It wasn't like we had this huge influx of capital and then like no deals. They kind of like matched. Deal flow went down, but also investor willingness to invest went down. So it kind of like matched it in a way. Yeah. So... Well, exactly. Cause money has been harder. Like even just in my conversations with people about deals, like money seems to have tightened up. So it, does it seem like it's fairly proportional, like deal flow and money are tightening up at about the same rate? Yeah, I think it's starting to pick back up a little bit. Um, that was definitely the case, like the second half of last year, but we've seen deal flow start to pick up a little bit more. And I think that's a product of sellers kind of coming to terms with like the new reality. And I think you see that in the residential market as well. You have you have buyers that have just kind of accepted the new normal of these interest rates. And they're just like, all right, well, I guess five and a half percent is my interest right now. And they know, and then buying is starting to pick back up. So I think it's just people accepting the new normal. Yeah. 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 I mean, and that's what, that's what, you know, I mean, a lot of the people that have been through mar market cycle say it's like, it's, it's not the end. That's usually the problem. It's the fact that there's no activity for six months while people figure it out. That becomes the real problem. Right. So, what was your transition like from being in the Navy to doing investing? Were you house hacking? Like what was your intro? Right. So the first property I bought was in 2016 in Pensacola. And I didn't know much about real estate at the time. I just started listening to bigger pockets and I was renting a place for 1500 a month. And I realized that I could buy a place that was in the same neighborhood. It was a nice neighborhood, newer home. And my mortgage would be 1100 a month. And I was like, okay, I'm no, mathematician here, but that kind of makes sense. So I, and I had the down payment, you know, I had the money saved up because I've always had good, I've always had a good foundation in like personal finance. So I've had good, you know, solid financials. And so I, I just did a conventional, I didn't use my VA loan for that one. I just did a conventional mortgage, bought that one. Uh, and I still own it today and I still rent it out today and it cash flows really well. Um, and so that was kind of my first you know, intro into real estate. And then I got connected with another Navy guy uh, that has a turnkey company. And I started by, uh, he had just started his company up in Milwaukee, uh, doing turnkey real estate. And so I bought one from him. And then four months later, he was like, Hey, we got another one. You want another one? I was like, sure. And so I ended up buying three total from him. So just that cash flow, like C class, single family home kind of market up in Milwaukee, still own those. And then I was like, man, I, I love this real estate thing. Kind of got addicted to it. And then I got it by that time I got into a mastermind group where people are doing like burrs and multifamily. And I was like, I want to do an out of state burr because that seems like a good way to like use capital. Right. So I did my first out of state burr in Oklahoma city on a duplex that went really well. And then ended up doing another burr in Oklahoma and two flips in Oklahoma, all from San Diego. So, uh, and then from that point, that's when I was like, okay, I need to go bigger. Uh, you know, I like single family, but it's like, I can 
scale up and go bigger, which kind of led me to the RV parks and then also investing in other people's deals as an LP. Now, you mentioned pre-show that you're kind of a recovering single family investor. <laughs> that that would imply, maybe maybe I'm inferring incorrectly, but that would imply that there was some some horror stories or there was something really bad or not great about single family. So I think my the reason I wanted to move on past single family is hearing folks in GoFundIt. It was actually the Park City event that we were both at where I can't remember who it was, but it was like, what advice would you give your younger self? And they said, I wish I had gone bigger earlier. And that I just kept thinking about that over and over. And I'm like, why, you know, I can keep doing these like crappy single family homes in Oklahoma or, you know, maybe do like, maybe I could do five or six a year, or I could just do one bigger deal a year with a group of other people where I'm just focusing on my strength. And then, it, it, you know, the, it's a much bigger upside with like, potentially less total work, maybe not in the beginning, you know, but like overall, and you get the benefits of scale, you get the benefits of other people working on a team, which I'm very comfortable with. So, um, cause I was doing everything, you know, it came to like the burrs and flips and it was, you know, for like 300 bucks a month cash flow or whatever. So it's like that, I think that, and also like having a, a, we had our first child a year ago. So it's like time is becoming more precious as well. So I wanted like, what's the best way to maximize my time. And so all those things kind of led to going, you know, just going bigger, getting away from single. I still own them. I still like, I mean, I still get enticed by single family home deals all the time, but I have to like, no, you know, I have to slap myself and, you know, remind myself that I, I got to go bigger, you know? So that's kind of how that happened. Love it. And so going bigger, like what did it take? I mean, obviously you had to be exposed to amazing people like in GoBundance, but what besides just the exposure did it take? Did you have to do anything on a mindset level or, or do anything to become a different person? Um, no, it was really just telling people that I wanted to go bigger and, and coming up with what that goal was. So I was like, okay, I want to be, I've invested in deals as an LP before. I like the syndication model. It makes sense. Um, you know, really, you know, focusing on the jockey, not as much the horse, you know, just betting those individuals. I love that. And so I was like, I want to be a co-GP on the syndication. So I just told everyone that that's what I wanted to do. And then, um, my plan was to invest, you know, I had a couple of different operators in mind that I really liked. I was like, I'll just invest in whatever their next deal is as an LP, try to find a way to provide value. Uh, and then maybe on the next deal, they'll ask me to come on. Right. Before I could even do that, uh, the folks at Climb Capital were like, Hey, do you want to be a GP on our next deal? And I was like, are you sure? You know, <laughs> they're yeah. like, yes. And so it was really just relationships, you know? So, um, that's, that's how that started. It was really just talking to people about it. Um, and, and, and really, you know, my platform honored equity talking about, you know, what I had done kind of, I think established, you know, a credibility and like people are like, Oh, he's, he's, he's documenting what he's learned, you know, successes, failures, et cetera. So I think that uh, helped with my credibility and then just having these, you know, personal relationships with people, uh, and, and, and talking about what you want, you know, making sure people know what you're looking for and what, and what, and what you want. And then another key part is providing value to others without accept, uh, without expecting anything in return, I think is really crucial. And I think that's something that beginner real estate folks miss. They don't pick up on it until later. It's like, you got to provide value first without expecting anything in return. So, Yeah. Well, and I, I like both of those together, right? So it's provide value without expectation of return because that sets the foundation for good relationship. But it's also be clear on what it is that you can, the ways that people can help you. Right. I mean, if, if someone wants to provide value to you and there's not a vehicle to do it, then you, you really have just set yourself up for failure. But if you're, you're clear on, okay, this is the direction I'm going, 
this is the way that like, whether it's an opportunity or money or et cetera, that can be extended so that when people ask you're ready, I think that's, that's huge. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, so you make the decision and you just put it out there. I mean, what was your method of putting it out there? So I really like just having conversations with people about real estate and I like, you know, when I meet someone that, you know, we, there's some kind of connection and I, I like talking to them. I'm good about like following up with people and just asking like, you know, how's, how did that flip go? Or, you know, how's everything going? Are you finding any deals? So I really enjoy just following up with people and finding a way to provide value to them. And then in turn, you know, sometimes they ask like, what are you working on? Like, what are your goals? You know, so there's just that back and forth. Um, so, and, and I think my superpower is like connecting people and networking. And so I really like, so part of that is just following up with people and, and, seeing what they're looking for. Like, Oh, if you're looking, you're having a problem with whatever, like you need to talk to this guy or have you gone to this website or whatever. So just a little thing. So I think it's really people underestimate how much value they can provide by just connecting someone to someone else. Um, and just having that little bit of thought and like, Oh, you need to talk to this guy because he's really good at that. Or he's done that before. And it's just connecting an email. And then you can, you know, I, I've helped people start, deals together start partnerships together just from like connecting them and you know and without expect i don't expect like oh i need a cut of that no it's just i like seeing them do well from from that relationship that like that's reward enough for me so i just i just enjoy that um and i think it kind of just comes naturally to me so it's kind of easy um so so let's dive in a little bit so what um so you're you're getting in your co-gp what did you have to bring to the table in order, were you bringing capital? Were you bringing knowledge? So what we brought was um, really people, you know, we, we know people, when I say we, uh, me and my sister-in-law. Mm -hmm. um, so we're both, we both know people that want to invest in real estate, but like don't really know how. So people with capital. And then also I was doing a lot of um, off-market real estate acquisitions um, as part of the single family home stuff. So I had an off-market um, SMS deal funnel. And so I leveraged that to help get one of our parks under contract. Actually, one that we got like seller financing, like a really sweet deal out in, um, out in Arizona. So helping out with acquisitions and then just investor relations, you know, talking to people, about updating people, updating investors. So, um, so those are like the primary ways that that we were able to provide value, but then we also did invest in it as an LP. So I, I invested 50 as an LP and my sister will invest in 50 as an LP as well. So, you know, because, because we, I was going to invest in their next deal anyway. Right. So, right. Uh, so because I believe in it. So everyone who listens to our show knows Tim and I are passionate about obtaining financial freedom through real estate investing. We also know that everyone's situations and goals are different. And while there are programs out there that show you a path to financial freedom, Many of these programs are just too cookie cutter and don't take your personality, situation, and desired outcome into account. Think about the number of times that you've watched a guru online and tried to do the exact same thing as they did but had nowhere near the same results. You are not alone. When I got started, I was continually paying for courses and getting only partial results until I discovered the path that made sense for me. The results prove this out. Most online course creators have let us in on their dirty secrets that 90 to 95% of their students never complete their course and achieve their desired outcome. This is not something that we're okay with. The benefit of working with Tim and I is that we are interviewing between five and 20 people every single week. We have accumulated hundreds of seven-figure strategies 
and got an inside scoop from these successful entrepreneurs. We're able to work with you to pick the strategy that will best fit and then help you create the custom plan to take you quickly into financial freedom. As a former math teacher, I always taught my students that the fastest way between two points is a straight line. If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us. And let's get you on a straight line path to freedom. That's incredible. And so, so now you're a part of it. And so what's the long-term vision? And, and if you can't say, I, I totally get it, but, but is the long-term vision to then start your own fund or is it just to grow within this fund or? So I really like the fund and I, I believe in it. And, but I do, you know, once, once the fund is, is done and we have the parks and we're actually in the business plan, like I'm really not going to be quite as involved with it, you know, like on the acquisition side. So that part will be done. It's really just going to be updating investors, investor relations type stuff. So I think at that point I would look to do, I would definitely be uh, you know, willing to do another fund with Clint Capital or, or someone else that I know personally. Um, I also really like the JV model. Um, so finding, you know, maybe not a massive, you know, RV park, but maybe like small multifamily or, you know, smaller type stuff going in on it with like two, three, four or five people that have like shared values. And then, uh, you know, holding it long-term. I really love, you know, the, the, the tier one investment, you know, that infinite return. So buying something, adding value, doing a cash out refinance, getting some or all of the capital back uh, within two to four years and then just holding it long-term. I love that. I don't want to have to find a place to put capital every three, four or five years, you know, a solid property, hold it long-term, get that capital back, get an infinite return. I, I love that model. And so that, that's something I really want to do moving forward. Um, as far as like starting my own fund, I mean, I'm, I'm still active duty and I will be likely for another six years until I hit 20. So I don't really have the bandwidth to like create, you know, an open door capital like Brandon Turner has, right? Maybe down the road, but like, that's not what I'm trying to do at any time in the near future. Cause you know, we got a family and full-time job, my wife works full-time as well. So it, it, it's busy. And um, so that, that, that's really, you know, I, I like doing those, the, the smaller deals on the side. Just with people I know personally. Yeah, that's awesome. And so, given your ties to the military, obviously you like to give back. And so, what have you seen so far? Like, you know, what kind of um, joy have you experienced? What have been some of the fruits of of giving back? Man, I, really, one of the first guys that I mentored when I decided I was going to start doing this at the very beginning of last year of 2022, um, he was in uh, San Diego also, and we did a, you know, a couple of calls at the beginning of the year and basically due to our phone calls, I helped him realize like what strategy worked best for him and in what market. And then he like took action on it. He bought a, um, he was, he was trying to decide like, should I buy in San Diego? Should I buy in Connecticut where I think I'm going to be moving soon with the Navy or like Hawaii where I could also be going. Then he got, we start talking more and he has family in Yuma, Arizona. And he, they do real estate. Like, so he's tied into real estate in Yuma, Arizona. I'm like, dude, why don't, why don't you, like your cousin is like a property manager and you have a brother that's like an agent. I'm like, why don't you do Yuma? He's like, oh, I never even thought about that. So he ends up fast forward a month or two. He closes on a property at Airbnb that he still owns and crushes it as a short-term rental in Yuma. Really like directly as a result of like the conversations we had. So that was just super rewarding. And he's like, oh, thank you. And I'm like, you did it. I just asked a couple of key questions about like your goals and like your strengths, you know, but he did everything. I didn't do anything, but it was really rewarding just to like see that and see his growth. 
just from really a, a few conversations. I, I, I love that. So Incredible. And so how do you decide, I mean, your 52 hours a year is your allotment for being charitable with your knowledge. How do you decide who gets it? How do you put it out there? Uh, so I'm in a mastermind group. Uh, well, I'm in two, so there's GoBundance. And then the, the first one that I joined is called the War Room Real Estate Mastermind. And it's for folks that are either in the military or uh, used to be in the military, veterans. So that's a great place to, you know, to connect with folks that are, you, know, you have like those shared values, that shared experience of being in the military. And there's a lot of folks in there that maybe have one or two properties, but they want to like grow. They want to grow their portfolio. And, you know, and I'm only, I'm where they were, it, it, like, I'm only like two or three years ahead of them, right? So it's very fresh for me. So it's very easy for me to just, you know, jump on a call with them and give them some, some good insight or connect them with people that I know to really like accelerate their growth. Um, and so like, sometimes I'll just make a post and like, Hey, looking to you know, get on some mentor hours, like free mentoring hours. You know, here's my brief background. Uh, and then people are like, yeah, can I, you know, jump on a call? And it's usually just very like, yeah, text me what daytime works for you. And sometimes I'll do like on my way drive to and from work or I'll do the morning. Cause I do a lot of stuff like either before work or after work. So I kind of work it in, um, outside of my work hours. Um, and I've just really enjoyed it so far. So given that you're active duty, you know, working, working a full-time job, your, you said your wife's working a full-time job as well. Like, how do you allocate your time? You know, is it like an hour a day, two hours a day? How do you figure out how much you give to these investments? Well, one, uh, I couldn't do it without my wife because she, she's awesome. She, she w watches like our son a lot while I'm doing a lot of real estate stuff. So I uh, could not do it without her for sure. Um, I wake up at about 4.15 in the morning, 4.20 or so, um, you know, do some meditation, do some journal, do some reading, um, knock out some stuff, you know, on the computer if I need to. Um, and then um, I used to do a lot more stuff on the weekends before we had our son. You know, I, I, you know, I do call, I stack up calls like, you know, on the weekend. And then once we had our son, my wife was like, you get one hour Saturday and one hour Sunday. So I have to like be careful with my time. And so I, I, I've had to be a lot more limited with my time. And, and really adjust my goals as well because I had you know much bigger goal but you know the focus is family now so I have to focus on that that's more important than adding another property right so um, it's really like adjusting my goals and then yeah really picking my time carefully but I, I also wake up just super early so that helps too so, yeah I get a couple extra hours you know, before work starts yeah I'm a big reader so I I, I wake up and like read so that, that's that's what I do with a lot of my time as well. What's been your most impactful one, maybe one, two, three of the most books? For real estate or just in general? Uh, let's do one non-real estate, one real estate. Okay. Um, real estate, I would say one of the most impactful real estate books for me was the, really the first one I read, which was David Green's Long Distance Real Estate Investing. Um, because it opened my eyes to the concept of you don't have to live where you invest. Um, that was huge for me. That That's the book that encouraged me to like buy turnkey out of state. I, I wouldn't have been comfortable buying properties out of state without having been to, ever been to them before if I hadn't read that book. And buying those properties opened the door for all this other stuff. Um, and then I would non-real estate related book. I love reading biographies and autobiographies of successful people. Love it. I mean, it doesn't have to be real estate, um, but one of my favorites of that genre is Shoe Dog by Phil Knight. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Uh, 
but I, I've got like stacks of books of like autobiographies of people. Um, I, I just finished one. Uh, I just finished Elon Musk's book. Well, he didn't write it, but his Elon Musk biography by Ashley Vance was fantastic. But yeah, love biographies of successful people. How fun. Um, so what do you see as the vision for your life, like five, 10 years in the future? Dude, I write out with my GoPod. We write out five and 10 year visions. Like I've got it. Um, so yeah. So really, uh, it's, and I made this goal a couple of years ago. It's, um, by 2029, which is when I retired from the Navy, uh, the goal is to have, um, replaced my W2 income and my wife's W2 income with passive or mostly passive real estate or business income so that we can, so that we don't have to work. Now, of course we still work. My wife's an attorney. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm never going to be able to just stop working. Right. I don't want to, I love, you know, doing real estate deals and talking to people about real estate. Right. But getting us to a point where we don't have to work. And so that's the goal, you know, by, by 2029 to, 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 to reach that passive income number. Uh, and then we really want to, I think once I'm done with the Navy, we might move down to Columbia for a year and like expat it for a bit. Um, I don't know. And then just kind of focus on family. I mean, I want to be able to take my son to school and pick him up every day and attend all of his stuff. I mean, and being able to, you know, doing this, this stuff, waking up early and doing all the real estate stuff now will allow me to do that later so I can spend, you know, time with family and friends and all that down the road. Love it. So, what would you say ha- you've learned? Like, what's been your biggest learning lesson so far in your real estate career? So, I think people have to have a solid foundation in personal finance before they start investing in real estate. I think that's a key part of it. And then, once you have that, you build on that with networking and mastermind groups. And then you build on that with just being persistent. I mean, yeah if you just don't quit, you, you will be successful eventually. Like it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter how smart or dumb you are. If you have this goal and you're just persistent about it, you will succeed. I mean, especially if you have this foundation of good personal finance and then you have a network of people where you can learn from their mistakes, you can connect with them, get advice, and then you're persistent, like you're guaranteed to be successful. Yeah. hundred percent. What, what are you aiming to accomplish next 12 to 18 months? Next 12 to 18 months, I'd like to acquire $10 million worth of real estate via JV deals. Okay. Um, yeah, that, that's my big goal, real estate wise. So, breaking that out, like your goal is to bring the capital to those deals? Um, I don't know. I kind of like I, I, definitely bringing capital. I, I, I think right now that's probably the, the biggest value I can provide. But I also kind of like the asset management side of it too. So I, mm. I, I like being, um, I'm, I'm, I'm a, uh, my personality type is someone that I like being, you know, I like talking, I like talking to property managers. I like talking to the agents. I like, I do like being involved in the process. Um, so I think, but, but it's the thing, like still full time W2, like I can't just jump on a plane and go talk or like, you know, get on a zoom call in the middle of the day. So like I have to kind of balance that with, you know, the, the full-time job. So I think right now it would be capital, um, my own capital and, and people that I, that I know. Um, yeah, but it's, you know, it's tough cause I like to dabble in cause, cause you know, I've done these birds and flips out of state where I'm doing most of the stuff myself. So I'm like used to that. Um, but 
I have to be careful with my time. See, that's the struggle, you know, for, especially for me. I like to, you know, I get focused, I get in there, but then I have to take a step back, keep a whole perspective, right? So it's, it's, it's a constant challenge. Yeah, especially because you're working all day. So all those problems you'll be solving will be in the evenings and on weekends. Um, right. So, so in this JV scenario, are you kind of envisioning like someone brings you the deal and then you kind of bring a lot of the other pieces or? Yeah, I think so. Um, I talk with, um, there's a, a great uh, a great person in the war room that I, that I talk with and she has put together these JV deals before. And she has this spreadsheet where she breaks out like who's doing what and it's like equity percentage and you know, this person's bringing capital and they're doing this, this person's bringing this much capital and they're doing these roles and it's all broken out. So I really like how organized that was. And so I think each deal is, each deal would be, you know, different, you know, depending on what, what each person is bringing. Cause if like, maybe I have, you know, a capital event from like a, you know, a syndication deal where I have, you know, a few hundred grand, like I'm going to bring more capital, but maybe there's another time where I don't have as much, but maybe I found the deal from a buddy. So, I mean, it just really depends on each particular deal. And that's what I like about JVs. They're fully customizable. You can structure the operating agreement however you want, as long as everyone has like shared goal and everyone's on the same page and everyone like agrees with the operating agreement. I mean, it's very, I love how customizable that is. Whereas, you know, syndication is very structured. It's also very expensive to set up syndications and like burden with the, you know, attorneys and all that, whereas the JV is much more, much smaller, um, much more flexible. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, Doug, I appreciate you coming on and sharing about your life and your business. I'd like to talk a little bit before we go about Honor and Equity and what you're doing there. Yeah. So I started Honor and Equity back in 2020. And this is something, you know, being in a mastermind group, I was encouraged to do it. Like, hey, you need to start documenting your journey so that other people can learn from your experience. And of course, I had big time, still have big time imposter syndrome, as a lot of us do. We're like, why would anyone want to learn, of, you know, hear about me and all that. So, uh, but nonetheless, I started it, started putting out content, wrote articles, all that, um, really just sharing the story to inspire others um, and then also help others. So through, through the mentoring as well. So I do a lot of the mentoring, you know, through, through Honor and Equity um, as well. So yeah, we have a website, honorandequity.com and then we're on Instagram and Twitter at Honor and Equity. And then I, I read all the messages personally. So feel free to, to reach out. Awesome, man. Well, thank you for sharing about your life and business. And for those of you out there listening, write down something you learned from today. Maybe you need to be tired of residential and move on to bigger things. Or maybe you have a day job. Maybe you're in the military or whatnot, and you want to be able to continue to do it. Look what he's building, and he's not even left his job yet. So maybe don't you don't have to be in such a big hurry to leave. Maybe you start building your retirement while you're at your current job. So many different things you can take away from this episode, but pick one, write it down, share it with somebody you know so they can hold you accountable because freedom is acquired one action at a time. And if you take steps day by day before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Engagement is like gold to us. We can't do what we're doing without it. Reviews and subscriptions, particularly on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, are worth more than money. So please do what you can to support the show. 